Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Paul White. Thanks for joining me as we close the third chapter of 1 Timothy in our journey through Paul's letter to his young pastor friend, Timothy, the first of two letters, 1 and 2 Timothy, falling near the end of your New Testament canon and probably falling at the end of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. We are not 100% sure about that, but it seems to be a very late date in the writing of the Apostle Paul, and it would seem to be the last thing that we might call inspired, or at least that gets put into the canon of Scripture. I have worked for a few days, and, and honestly a few days longer than I thought we would need, to talk about this mystery of godliness, God manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among Gentiles, believed on in the world, and then finally this phrase, received up in glory. And I don't know that Paul's trying to lay out a point-by-point, sort of six lines of what Jesus is and what the gospel is all about, but he does. And in doing so, he lands at what I think is one of the more underpreached aspects of the faith. Received up in glory, we might also call this the ascension. And I say underpreached because think about it. We all hear a lot of sermons on the birth of Jesus. Most of those are centered around the Christmas season. We hear a lot of sermons on the life of Jesus, everything from his baptism to his journey into the wilderness, to his parables, to the Sermon on the Mount, to his healings, to his miracles. We should. This is not a statement of we shouldn't hear these. I'm just saying we hear them. We hear lots of them. And I preach lots of them. And you, if you're in ministry, you preach lots of them. And then we hear sets of sermons on the cross. And those can be everything from the physicality of the cross, the literal blow-by-blow of what happened on the cross, the last words of Jesus on the cross, and then all the theology of the cross, the scandal of the cross, the foolishness of the cross, the mystery of the cross, the cross as, a, as the breaking of an old covenant, the cross as the establishment of a new covenant, the cross as uh, what St. Augustine called the mousetrap of the devil, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff about the cross. And then we hear whole sermons and preach whole sermons on the resurrection, the empty tomb, and what the resurrection mean, meant for the early church and what the resurrection means for us. We get a lot of stuff on Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. What's Jesus doing now? The intercessory role of Jesus, the mediatorial role of Jesus. And we get a lot of sermons on eschatology, the return of the Lord Jesus, the end of days, and the restoration of all things, making all things new, and the new Jerusalem. But did you notice something in there that gets skipped? And I don't mean we skip it universally. I mean it just doesn't get as much play. And that's the ascension. We don't do a lot with the moment that Jesus ascends. Paul's statement at the end of 1 Timothy 3.16, received up in glory, is not just a throw-in. Paul actually uses this as one of the, what you might call his six points about the mystery of godliness, or the hidden truth of what God is all about. And listen to these truths. One, God was manifested in the flesh. Well, that's Jesus. Two, He was justified in the Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit, seal of approval on what is happening at the cross. Three, he's seen by angels, and angels could be ministers as well. So we have eyewitness to him, and thus becomes the message of the early church. Four, that message gets preached among Gentiles because the mystery of godliness is that 
It isn't going to be confined to one people group or one location. That leads to number five, received in the world. So it's not just geographical. It's not just centered in the Middle East or one nation, but it's globally going to touch the whole world. And then strangely, he shifts gears in the sixth statement and looks like he goes backwards because all this other stuff seems to be in order. There's Jesus. There's the cross. There's people that witness the Jesus at the cross. There's people who go preach Jesus at the cross. There's people who go preach Jesus to the whole world. Then looks like a step backwards to go received up in glory. He comes back to the ascension. He lands there. And I have a theory that he lands there because he's presenting it as the culmination of the entire mystery. That really the most important thing for us to know about this mystery of godliness is that Christ ascended into the heavens and that that ascension is the space, the space in which Christ sits on the throne as ruler. I think Revelation 4 lives in that space. Revelation 4 is when we're finished with the message to the seven churches and the angel says, to John, come up here, I'll show you the things that are, will come hereafter. And I think we, for too long, have taken that to mean, let me show you the stuff that's going to happen someday on the timeline. But I think what it means is, come here, I want to show you the things that happen in the hereafter. I want to show you what it looks like in the dimension you're not from. Everything up until chapter 4 has been in your dimension. Seven churches that are in your lifetime. Go preach to them. You've been there before. Go give them this word. I want to show you things you can't see in the natural realm. And the first thing he shows him in Revelation 4 is the enthronement of the king. And that doesn't happen in the far off future. That happens at the ascension of Christ. That's the moment when the cross and the resurrection meet their finality in the eternal realm. They, Jesus takes his seat with the authority of a lion, but the bleeding image of a lamb. Christ, who has a sort of perpetual bleeding for us all, takes his spot. His place, and all of heaven worships him. You're getting, in some respects, to see the cross and the resurrection from heaven's point of view. And it's the ascension. And it's so vital to the church story that in the first chapter of Acts, it shows us two angels standing with those Galileans as they stare up into heaven and go, what are you guys looking at? The same Jesus that went away, and I like how Eugene Peterson says this, the same Jesus that went away mysteriously will appear in the same mysterious manner. And I'm kind of botching his wording there, but it's along those lines. The mysteriousness with which he went away is the same mysteriousness which with he will return. And I think, I qualify that with I think, I think it could mean that as we behold who he is through that finished work, he makes mysterious reappearances in us. Or at least the early church would have seen mysterious reappearances of Jesus. Ask the Apostle Paul what he thought about that. Well, I think what he thought about that is that Jesus, the same Jesus he met on the road to Damascus, the same Jesus he saw in Arabia in Galatians chapter 1 who gave him this message of the new covenant, that's the same Jesus that in 1 Timothy 3.16 he says was received up in glory. And that same Jesus, Paul saw as the giver of the new covenant. 
So received up in glory, but still very much relevant to who we are. That's the apex of the mystery. And maybe we need to spend more time in our some of our sermons and songs and churches with the ascension, because there we would see an enthroned Jesus. Tomorrow is the DDP essay edition, and we're going to talk about what we've learned in our journey writing this book on Jonah. Join us tomorrow, and the print version will be available at paulwhiteministries.com. See you tomorrow. God bless.